0: Well, the presence of the Lord is in this place, and uh, I'm ready to get into this new series. I'm so excited. I know things look a little bit different than they normally do, but I trust and believe that right there in in your home with your family, you feel the same presence of God that I feel here today. I believe that God has come to transform us and change us and give us a fresh word. We're going to start a new series this week. Uh, and it's simply, I think it's actually pretty fitting, uh, no matter where you're at or no matter what you're facing, you need to understand no, nothing that the world does will ever change the fact uh, uh, that Christmas isn't canceled. <laughs> Christmas will not be canceled. Have you ever been in a place, um, today, I, I want to just kind of paint a picture for you for a minute with this series, have you ever been in a place where you've, been uh, excited about a big event, a, a, a big thing that you thought would come. You, how many remember when you was 15 years old and you thought, man, 16 is never going to get here fast enough so I can get my license? <laughs> I mean, remember when you was a freshman and you, you just kept thinking, man, if I can just be a senior, I'm going to be the big man on campus. And uh, you know, you, you, so you anticipate the big event. You anticipate, and you and you feel like it's never going to happen. If you've ever had a baby, if you've ever had a son or a daughter be born, it's like there's been there's, it's that big event, and you feel like you know those nine months can't get here fast enough. It, it's it's amazing how we get excited and we get pumped up and we get so anxious, and we almost can feel like uh, what we're hoping for is never going to happen. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about how Jesus is the hope of the world. Matter of fact, we'll put a little uh, why Jesus is the hope of the world. That's what I want to talk to you about today. And I believe Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 through 7 is a prophecy that was given that's pretty fitting. And I want to read to you the text now. And uh, again, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 says this. And the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will have joy I like that. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors, dividing the plunder. Verse 4 says, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. That sounds good to me. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Median. Verse 5, the boots of the warrior and the uniforms blood-stained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For a child is born to us. This is a very popular scripture that's written and read for Christmas. For a child is born to us and a son is given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says, His government and its peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestors, David, for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. I'm going to stop right there. Even in our text, you can see how the prophetic voice of Isaiah was declaring something that was coming, that was on its way. And, And this prophecy truly set... Jesus' uh, appearance uh, in motion. And you got to understand the children of Israel were in a, in a, uh, a grave place. They, they were in a place of division. They were in a place of battle. And they had no hope. They had no peace. They had no counselor. They had a king that was trying to rule and reign and, and, and condemn and control. They, they had division in, in the camp. They had the northern part of Israel. And then they had the, the, the southern part of Israel, which would have been a, like Judah. And, I mean, there was division even between the 12 tribes. So, so it's, it's, it's not really much different than it, it is even today. It's hard to have unity uh, with people who choose to be so consistently divided. This familiar passage by Isaiah prophesies the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus, who was to be king over the children of Israel. We understand that. This Jesus that Isaiah was prophesying would bring about freedom and peace and joy, and ultimately it would bring about hope to God's people again. When Isaiah wrote this prophecy, it actually took over listen 700 years before it came to pass. Some of us can't wait seven days, we, nonetheless, 700 years. It took 700 years for them to see something happening as a result of this, uh, this prophecy. However, it was the prophecy that actually caused men and women to believe again. Something was spoken by a man of God and it caused the children of Israel to dream, to believe what was said. Suddenly, hope was birthed in the heart of man and women, boys and girls of all ages, all over the nation. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas gives people hope that if you can believe, you will receive. It reminds me of Proverbs chapter 13 and 12. It says it like this in the Passion Version. It says, when hope's dream seems to drag on and on and on, the delay can be depressing. You ever been there? But when at last your dream comes true, life's sweetness will satisfy your soul. I want you to understand something. If your dream, if your hope is found in Christ, you don't have to wonder like the children of Israel. You may be in a waiting season like they experienced, but I promise you, we're not, we're not looking... Uh, Uh, let's see, forward to what he's going to do, we are are looking backward at what he's already done. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was sent through the womb of a virgin named Mary, and he came so that those who were bound could be set free. He came so those who didn't have hope could experience a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm so glad that Jesus finished what he started God sent his only begotten son. That's the joy of Christmas. That's in this season. That's why we can stand up and declare that this is the day that the Lord hath made. Because Jesus showed up on the scene and he defeated death, hell, and the grave. He defeated all the odds that were against him. And Maybe he didn't come in the way they expected him to. We know that. But he came. He came so that people like you and I could be free and could have hope and could have joy. Mm. It's interesting, whether it's heading off to college or getting married or waiting for Christmas morning or, or even the birth of a new child, we have all found ourselves in the place where we've longed for that big event. We almost are so anxious we get sick to our stomach, or we wonder, is it really ever going to happen? I can only imagine that maybe that's what the children of Israel were experiencing. They were wondering, is this ever going to happen? It was prophesied by Isaiah. I remember the day that he spoke it. His words are pretty powerful. And today I want to break some of these scriptures, some of the, some of the words in the scriptures down to see how it relates to what we deal with. I also want to make sure you understand that Christmas, this season that we're in, Christ's coming (laughs) reminds us that God is at work even in the struggle and in the beauty of life. Notice I said in the struggle and in the beauty because Christ showed up in an ugly place but with a beautiful purpose. And in the same way 2,000 years ago, Christ showed up, in a barn or in a stable. This was being prophesied in a dirty, hard, broken place in the lives of men and women who needed some hope. I want you to understand something. 2021 may not look like you've, you would have expected it to look. The end of 2020, it just may be a little bit more chaotic than you would have thought. I understand. And you wonder, is where is the hope? What can I hold on to? I want you to understand something. Jesus is the hope of the world. He was, he is, and he will always be the hope that we lean on. Today I want to talk to you about three different reasons why I believe Jesus is the hope of the world. Verse Two says it like this, and the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Write this down. Number one, Jesus the light was sent to penetrate all darkness. Jesus the light. That's what Christmas is all about. That's how we can know that, that the hope of Jesus uh, the, the, the being and coming to this earth as a babe. That's how we know that he is the light to penetrate darkness. He showed up. He finished what he started. What God said would be, became. Jesus came to be the light of the world. He came to conquer death, hell, and the grave, but ultimately to expose darkness on this earth. No matter how great the darkness, listen, Jesus can bring hope back to the dead, dark places in your life. You've got to believe that. There was and there is nothing greater than the light of Jesus Christ. I love to see lights on houses when people start decorating for Christmas, our neighborhood has them. I mean, people have gone all out. They got them in the trees. They got them on the rooftop. They got them on the doors. They get the reefs out. They put them in the windows. And many of you got different trees uh, dedicated and, and or decorated, uh, and you can put presents under the tree. And I mean, all, it, it's lights change an atmosphere. Listen to me. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to change an atmosphere. And most people may not believe it because they've been in darkness for so long. But I want you to understand something just like this prophecy made it real clear. Isaiah said darkness will see a great light. I love that. As if to say darkness uh, recognizes atmosphere shifts. (laughs) I want you to know when light shows up, Darkness has to flee, and that's what happened when Jesus showed up on the scene. Darkness had to bow its knee. Darkness had to say, wow, I have no power or authority over this bright light. Jesus is the light. We know that in John chapter 8, verse 12, says it like this. Jesus declared, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Because you will have the light that leads to life. Listen, if you're trying to walk in this life and you're trying to figure out your way and you keep stumbling and stumping your toes and and failing in this area or that area or you keep getting hurt, maybe it's that you're you're trying to walk in a dark place. Maybe uh, you're trying to find your own way and... You should try turning on the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you ever gotten out of bed and maybe went to the restroom in the middle of the night? I have, and I remember in particular one particular time I, I was walking in the room and I thought I knew where everything was, but my wife had moved the chair just a little bit, enough uh, that we had just there on the other side of the bed, and just just enough to where I got I got a little bit off off my path in the dark thinking I had been this way multiple times I know where things are but because of the darkness I, I hit the edge of that, that uh, uh, chair with my toe I mean I felt like I broke it it was a painful experience it, it, it caused me much sadness if you will what did I need I needed light to, 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 to give me direction of where I was going and I thought I could make it in the dark because of where I had been, what I had been consistently doing. Sometimes our past, sometimes uh, us getting in a routine of going through the motions can, can almost blind us to the reality that there are still, still circumstances and, and problems and, and tribulations that the only thing can, that can protect us and keep us is if the light shows up on the scene. So number one, Jesus the light was sent to penetrate all darkness. Every dark place in your life. Relationships, financially. It doesn't matter on your job site, at your school. Jesus will penetrate every dark area that you've experienced. The children of God needed something to give them hope in a season of darkness. Not only then children of Israel needed that prophecy that Isaiah gave but i believe that even today more now than ever before we still need the light of the hope of Jesus to be seen brighter than ever before you see it was this prophecy that would declare darkness would not always last you need to know that you might be in a dark season but it will it has come to pass it hasn't come to stay Sadness and discouragement was not going to be the future of God's people then. And I've come to prophesy and declare over your family, sadness and discouragement and darkness is not going to be, be the future for you today. Somebody ought to shout amen. Listen, the good news is Jesus, he came and he went. But the good news is even better, he's coming back. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming back. The problem with darkness is you can't see which direction is forward, backwards, up, or down. What I found in my life, just like I kind of gave you that explanation of stumping my toe, Brooke moved the chair, and I didn't realize she moved it. That's kind of how Satan works. Now, I'm not saying my wife's Satan. What I'm saying is Satan knows how to reposition things in our life in the darkness. He, He loves to work in dark places. Satan loves to rule and control and manipulate us in dark seasons. But listen to me. Jesus came to expose the dark places so you can see your ultimate destination. This is just a journey. We're passing through. This is not our ultimate destination. We are on our way to heaven. But while we're here on earth, we are to be the light of the world. And as Jesus lives in us, we can be this light. Jesus came to be a light to us so we could be a light to others. I want to encourage you. You be the light in dark places. Don't be discouraged. Don't don't be downhearted. Lift up your eyes unto the hills from which cometh your help. Let this prophecy that even Isaiah was speaking over God's people to give them hope again. Let it remind you, greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. Why is Jesus the hope of the world? Number two, Jesus was sent so we could have joy in all things. Verse three says it like this. This was part of the prophecy. You will enlarge the nation of Israel. And its people will have joy. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. Come on. It's a prophecy that says you will have joy again. Jesus was sent so that not only that we could be happy, but that we could choose to be joyous. I truly believe that joy is the key element for a man and and or a woman to have victory in their life. Our sons and daughters need to know that joy is a choice that you make every day. When you get up in the morning, you choose to put on joy. If you can't have joy in anything else, you can have joy in knowing that Christ, listen, is for you. He's not against you. He's for you. Jesus did not come to this earth, be born in a stable, crucified on a cross, buried in a tomb, and three days later, get up uh, uh, and rise, rise from the dead for you to live in sadness and in defeat. No, no. Darkness needs to take a step aside because the light of Jesus has shown in your life and it should give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. Nehemiah said it like this, in a place when walls needed to be built and people were discouraged, he began to prophesy and declare, the joy of the Lord is my strength. First Thessalonians 5 and 16 says it like this, always be joyful. Philippians, whoo. He lets us know in, 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 in chapter 4 of 4. Paul says it like this, always be joy, uh, full of joy in, watch this, the Lord. If you can't find nothing else to be joyous about, be joyful in the Lord. And then he says, and again I say, rejoice. I think it's important that we continue to remind ourselves God never called us to be defeated. He never called us to walk in darkness. He never called us to stay small in our mentality for the kingdom. No, no, he wants us to be enlarged like Isaiah said. He wants us to take over territory. He wants our joy to be full, watch, and to remain. Romans, Paul says again in chapter 14 of 17 it says for the kingdom of God, watch, is not a matter of what we eat or drink but of living a life of goodness and peace, watch, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit was sent for 2,000 years ago after Jesus descended to the heaven. He's told the disciples, he said, I'm going to go away so I can send the comforter. I can send the Holy Spirit who can comfort you and encourage you and bring you great joy. And it doesn't have to be in you on Sunday and leave you on Monday. No, no, the Holy Spirit wants to stay. He wants to dwell in your life. He wants to uh, commune with you and have relationship with you. But Jesus came to this earth. He laid his life after 33 and a half years of walking on this earth. He laid his life down so that you could have joy. Not joy the world could give you, but joy that only he could give. Joy that you can have a peace in mind. Joy that you can know that your bank account may not be as full as you wanted it to be at the end of this year, but you still know that he's a God that you can call Jehovah Jireh, your provider. You may not have that many presents under the, at the tree this year when Christmas, uh, when we celebrate December the 25th, but it's not so much about the, cre- the presents under the tree as the one who hung on that tree for you. You can have joy today. Maybe you've got a broken marriage. Maybe you've walked through sickness and disease. Maybe you've lost a job. But the difference between a Christian who knows who Jesus is, is that one who can hold their head up, put a smile on their face, and declare, had it not been for the Lord who was on my side, where would I be? See, I have a joy today. I can still go through trouble. I may still have to go through more trials. But there's a joy that the world didn't give me. And I refuse to let the world take my joy that I found in this Savior we know as Jesus. Isaiah was prophesying there's a joy that's going to come back into your life you're going to sing, you're going to dance, you're going to praise, you're going to take over territory. I like verse uh, verse 3 and 4 as he begins to declare, they're going to rejoice uh, kind of like they would whenever they come and reap a harvest. And, and they're going to rejoice like warriors who uh, would divide the plunder. In other words, there's a celebration when you have a victory. Listen, Jesus came, and because He came as a, as a, as a, maybe a lamb, many say He's coming back as the Lion of the Tribe of Judah. We can have a joy <laughs> that no matter what we face, we still win. That's the awesome part about serving Christ and and noticing and recognizing Him as our Lord and our Savior. Sir, ma'am, you're watching today and you don't understand maybe the true meaning of Christmas. Christmas is simply Jesus coming to give you joy. Jesus coming to be the light in a darkened world, in your life. What greater present can He give us? How do we know? that Jesus is the hope of the world. Not only that he, he was the light that penetrated darkness, not only that Jesus was sent so we could have joy in all things, but we know Jesus is the hope of the world because Jesus was sent so we could have freedom. Come on, somebody say freedom. What is freedom? Verse 4 in the prophecy, it says, For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders you will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army what, what what he's saying is Jesus was going to break off of the lives of men and women who have been enslaved and bound for so long he said I'm you' you're, you're The fact that he's coming is going to cause a lifting of heavy burdens off of shoulders that should have never tried to carry the weight. Jesus was sent so you could be free. We all need to be reminded that Jesus came to break off and to lift off everything the devil has tried to put on. Don't allow Satan to try to get you to carry burdens you were never meant to carry. Don't try to do God's job for him. It doesn't work. All throughout Scripture, it was Abraham who tried to do God's job for him, who who lied and said that Sarah was his daughter, uh, sister so that the king wouldn't take his life, and he 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 tried to manipulate God's plan. Thankfully, God uh, stepped in and, and and made up for for Abraham's mistake. But the point is, there was grace there. But but God didn't need Abraham to try to manipulate the situation. God already knew how to handle the king, just like he knows how to handle your situation. You don't have to try to make something happen. You don't have to carry a load you were never designed to carry. No, no. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're a boy or girl, a mom or a dad. Listen, we all carry things in different ways. But I want you to understand that Jesus came so that we could have life and life more abundant. Freedom is simply meaning, it means to be free. Galatians 5 and 1 says it like this. Listen to the Passion Version. It says, Let me be clear. Stop right there. Let me be clear. (laughs) The anointed one, Jesus, has set us free. Now that settles it right there. Wasn't a doctor, wasn't a lawyer, wasn't a mom, wasn't a dad, wasn't religion. It was Jesus. It wasn't denomination. Wasn't going through motions, it wasn't programs. He says, The anointed one, Jesus, has set us free. Watch this, not partially, in other words, not just halfway, but completely and wonderfully free. We must always, he's talking to us, he's talking to the church, we must always cherish this truth. And watch this, stubbornly refuse to go back to the bondage of our past. Listen, the only time you need to visit your past is to remind the devil of what God has brought you out of. Stop letting your past rule, reign, and control your future. It's important that you hold on to what God has given you. Recognize that no matter what you face, you're not going back to what you used to be, but you have been set free for a purpose and you have a destiny. Freedom is your calling, okay? We all have that calling. We have an opportunity in Christ Jesus to be free. Galatians 5.13 says it like this. Beloved, God has called us to live a life of freedom. Watch. In the Holy Spirit. Stop right there. Notice he didn't say God's called us to live a life of freedom in religion. Or in a church house. I get it. I hate not being in the building. I hate not coming together. It's tough for me too. But my freedom isn't found in a church building. My freedom isn't just found on Sunday morning with three worship songs, two, two fast songs, and one slow song. No, no, no. My freedom is found in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Watch this. God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. But don't view this wonderful freedom, watch, as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. You see, freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all that we do. So beautiful. What he's saying is you can never be more free than when you learn that freedom is not about yourself. But it's about loving others unconditionally and serving them with a heart of gratitude. That's freedom. You know that you're free when you don't try to get what's in it for you. You know that you're free when you're not trying to get se- have selfish gain, but you'll deny self so that someone else can feel love and compassion and grace and forgiveness so that someone else can have joy and, and hope and, and the same peace that you feel. Freedom. You're not bound with selfishness. You're not bound to covetousness. You're not, you're not bound to trying to walk through a religious state. No, no, no. You're, the fact that Jesus came and gave us hope on this earth gives us opportunity to have a, a, an understanding that he who the Son is set free can and will be free indeed. The latter part of this prophecy, which I, I want to close with, it says, For unto you a child is born. And a son is given. It talks about how the government will rest on his shoulders. That's the government of the kingdom, you see. We're not of this world. We're just passing through, the songwriter said. Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, they rule and they reign in this heavenly kingdom. What I want to invite you to recognize is that Jesus wants to be your hope. He came as a babe in a manger, but He's coming back as a king riding on a white horse for you and for me. We can have hope simply because He is the light. We can have hope because of joy that's been filling our hearts, knowing who he is. We can have hope because of the freedom we've experienced in this child, in this son that was given, in the government that stands on his shoulders. Listen to me. I understand there's a lot of division in the political realms and in the political parties and Things seem to be very unstable. But I got news for you. In God's government, (laughs) it all rests on the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the center of it all. We sing a song. Jesus be the center of it all. Jesus be the center of it all. From beginning to the end, always be and always will be you Jesus Jesus and then it says Cause nothing else matters nothing in this world will do Cause Jesus you're the center and everything revolves around Jesus, you, you're at the center of it all. When you make Jesus the center of your life, then when you hear that he's the hope of the world, and he come to give joy, and he's come to be light, he's come to bring freedom, suddenly that prophecy... Begins to make sense. And it becomes a reality. Not only for the children of Israel. Then. But for you and I. Today. To you a son is given. A savior is born. And the government. Shall be on his shoulders. Verse 7 says. His government. And its peace. Will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestors, David, for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. I want you to know, the light, the joy, the freedom, verse 7, the peace will never end as long as you see Jesus as your hope. Can we pray together? Maybe right now, you're in a hopeless situation. Your circumstance is dark. Things are divided. Sickness is in the atmosphere. Listen. Speak the name of Jesus. John 3.16, one of the most beautiful scriptures that most and many of us know as Christians is simply this. For God so loved the world That he gave his only begotten son. To whosoever would believe on him would not perish. He don't want you to perish in your sin. He wants you to have life and life more abundantly. He said you wouldn't perish but have life. Are you living today? Are you finding hope in something that's stable? It's in Jesus. Let's pray together. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, or maybe you just need to reunite and declare him as your hope, say this with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Thank you for coming and dying on a cross so that I could live in you. Today I receive forgiveness, your grace, and your mercy. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray blessing over those that are watching today. I thank you for a second chance. I thank you for, this, for your son that was born <laughs> so that we could live for eternity. He was born to die. and Today we die to live in Christ Jesus. We love you, Lord. I speak blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining me today. I trust and believe that God's Word has strengthened your faith. Why don't you visit me at darrenfarmer.com and let's do life together on all social media platforms. And as always, your prayers and your financial giving is always welcome. God bless you.